This is Kyle Jackson, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Courier, Kylie Miller showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley, and he scores. What a goal from Josh Bird. Kayla Trainer flips and scores. What you're kidding me. By Dylan Ward. Gets topside, Rambo scores. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here's your host, Hutton Jackson. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today on Pro Lacrosse Talk, I'm lucky to be joined by Kyle Jackson, forward with the Philadelphia Wings in the NLL, and midfielder with the Chaos Lacrosse Club in the PLL. Kyle, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. I mean, uh, it's very interesting you saying Philadelphia Wings. I never thought that uh, that'd be a name that we'd be saying attached to my name, but here we are, and it's kind of nice. Now, we're recording this not too long after an overtime win in San Diego. Talk about that big win for the Wings this past weekend. For sure. The win, the win was massive. I think that any game down the stretch when you're trying to make playoffs is obviously massive. On top of the fact that, I mean, we're going all the way to the West Coast in some sunny weather. You could kind of have that overshadow the game itself when guys are excited about getting out in some sunshine after a pretty long winter and everything that we've gone through. Uh, but being able to go in there, play a great game of lacrosse for maybe not four full quarters, but at least three quarters uh, mm-hmm. was, was awesome. And obviously San Diego came out guns and blazing right there in the first quarter. And uh, we expected that, but it was nice to kind of be able to regroup with the, the guys that we do have in, in our lineup and ultimately come out with a win because going all the way out there, like I said, to the West coast, sometimes that could be overshadowed by some beautiful weather and it can be oftentimes a tough game to get up for, but it was, is awesome to see our group kind of re- regroup and come together and win an overtime game. Cause it also says a lot about the guys that we have playing each and every day where you know, sometimes a wrench is thrown at you like that first quarter where they came out flying um, and we were able to kind of weather that storm per se and come out with a win, which is huge. No, absolutely. And you've been playing really, really well this past four games uh, with the wings. You have five goals and 15 assists, um, you know, 
tremendous production so far in your short stint with the wings. Talk about that first game, you know, you get signed and then you have to go and play a game against Rochester the next day. Um, any jitters, you know, being on a new team or, um, I mean, obviously it didn't show on the floor, but, uh, kind of t- walk me through those 24 hours of signing and then going to play uh, against Rochester. I think that, uh, in talking with, with some people, the best decision for me at that time, after I signed my contract was to simply just go play and not think about everything that had transpired over the last 24 hours at that time. And really just throw myself into the fire and that's exactly what I did. I think I signed my contract at like two o'clock on the Friday, I think it was. And I was on a flight at four o'clock off to Toronto and then drove the rest of the way to Rochester. So it was also kind of nice. A lot of it I was already familiar with having played in Rochester for so many years, that Toronto to Rochester trip almost mm-hmm. brought back a lot of memories, fond memories that I had previously, um, sightseeing on the way there and, and whatnot brought back some, some great memories that I did have. And uh, being able to go in there and really not think about what had just transpired, I think was the best thing I could have done because I didn't have time to think about exactly what happened. I was more or less just throwing myself, like I said, into that fire, going to play a lacrosse game and ultimately knowing that there was a lot of guys that I'm familiar with previously having played with before. So although I kind of threw myself into a situation where we've got a lot of lefties, just like the situation I was coming from, I knew that my game if I just play a normal lacrosse game, as I always do, it can be taken from one team to the next team. And there's no real awkwardness there. I play a very simple game. I just try to work hard, get loose balls and be a really good teammate. And that's really it. And I think that when you do those things, everything else comes naturally and follows suit. Uh, And that's all I tried to do. I, I didn't have to think about the game because I was too overwhelmed with everything else that was going on. I just went out and played a lacrosse game and it was kind of a breath of fresh air in that matter. No, absolutely. And you mentioned too, you know, you get released by Halifax, get picked up by Philly. Um, Was Coach Day the first one to call you or kind of walk me through those 24 hours of after your release, you know, finally linking up with Philadelphia and making the, you know, transition. I'm sure it's a difficult transition mid-season. Kind of just walk me through a little bit about that. All Day was definitely a huge reason why he signed in Philadelphia. When I first came into the league, he was my offensive coach in Rochester at the time. Uh, And so, yeah, he was one of the first ones they called and it was awesome to hear from him because at the same token, I took a really big gamble on myself saying no to the practice player tag uh, and really just betting on myself and hoping that somebody would call. But I also knew that potentially no one would call. The trade deadline had already passed. I was the only free agent on the market, but that didn't necessarily mean that anybody needed me on their team. Everyone had already gone through the trade process. The deadline had come and gone. Everyone more or less had their team solidified for the remainder of the season. And then not just myself, but coaches, GMs, ownership as well, were kind of throwing this little bit of a curveball when I came to the free agency market, which, I mean, anybody that's familiar with lacrosse in the first place knows that free agency isn't something that runs rampant within our league. It's, it's very few and far between. You've got to be pretty old to hit free agency. So I was in this like little bit of a limbo phase where it was a really cool opportunity to be a free agent, but it, it was also pretty scary because I mean, I'm not anymore just talking about myself. I'm talking about the future of my family, my kids, my wife, the location that I'm living in, where I'm going to put my kids in daycare and all of that. And mind you, yes, it's professional lacrosse, but I think that professional lacrosse is on the rise. There's great things coming from professional lacrosse. And at the end of the day, it really is my livelihood. So one day to wake up and kind of more or less be told, hey, we don't really need you anymore in your job was kind of a 
eye-opening experience. I always knew that it was a business at the end of the day. I always understand that I was never naive to that situation, Mm -hmm. Uh, but really more or less. And that's what I've tried to explain to people is that like, although, although I was asked to go on the practice player, like to equate it to just the common folk, like it's really the equivalent of walking into your office one day and then your boss kind of saying, Hey, we just don't really need you right now. Or like for the next couple of weeks, we don't really need you um so take with that how you wish and for me like I wasn't really willing to do that I think that my talent within this league can be something that a team ultimately would really appreciate and luckily enough Philadelphia came calling um and I was able to like I said just jump into a situation where I was already sort of familiar with a lot of the players the coaching staff and just play my normal lacrosse game but I think with all of this being said, the one thing that I'd really like to address is that I, if you ask anybody that's ever played with me or that's ever coached me, I could only imagine that 99 or 100 percent of people would say that all I really try to do is be a really good teammate. Mm-hmm. So the narrative to come out that I just didn't want to take this different role. It didn't really always sit easy with me because I haven't been petty throughout any of this. I haven't addressed any rumors that have gone on. I've kind of more or less just like let what happened happen and try to live my life and and move on and take all the experiences that I had with Halifax for what they were. And I was super grateful. A guy like Mike Kersey as as my coach was amazing. He was somebody that I talked to during this whole process. And it wasn't some just rogue decision that I made. These were conversations that I was having with people after I got a phone call on Wednesday at three o'clock that they wanted me on the practice player tag to calling Coach Kersey, having conversations with him, seeing what all my options could be weighed out as. Uh, and he's somebody that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. But for this narrative to really be portrayed that I'm some deviant player that doesn't want to take a different role, it didn't really see fair to me, given the fact that I've moved my entire life to Halifax. I've done everything in my power to grow the grassroots programming out here from camps, clinics, school programs going through COVID over the last couple of years and really ultimately at the end, having no camp and clinic opportunities or school program opportunities, but developing programs so that we can still go in virtually to schools with a Mm -hmm. sticks for kids program, a reading program so that I could also get players paid at the end of the day through their contract obligations. So for example, if somebody had camp and clinic money and we couldn't do camps and clinics, well, how was I going to help that person fulfill their contract so that they could potentially make some money. And so these are all things that I was doing behind the scenes and working and doing everything for the organization here to the best of my abilities. And so for this narrative to really be portrayed the way that it was, I never spoke on it. I never wish ill will on anybody by any means, but obviously from my standpoint, I hear a lot behind the scenes and people talking about this and that. And and really what came about was just that it seemed like I didn't want to take this new role on the team. And I was a deviant lacrosse player and I didn't want to fit that mold. Which, mind you, to me, the conversation of, hey, we'd like you to play a different role could potentially be, we need you to touch the ball less. We need you to set more picks. We'd really like you to play defense. Maybe we want you to play transition. Mm -hmm. All of those things could have come into play there. But the conversation that I originally had was, we would like you to be on the practice player list. And Mm -hmm. for me, that just wasn't something that I was willing to do. Uh, And I'm glad that we're having this conversation as well, because I don't necessarily need my story out there per se, but I just think that for me, like it it is tough going through this process and having it be labeled as, again, I know I don't want to keep using this phrase because it's not exactly what it was, but 
more or less that I was a deviant teammate and didn't want to fulfill a new role. When I think over the last couple of years, I, I've done more than filled different roles. I came in originally and my first year in the league, we didn't have Cody Jameson. He was hurt. And so I was thrown into the role of, hey, we need you to be a ball carrier. We need you to basically put up points alongside Dan Dawson because we didn't have another lefty really at the time. Um, and so I had that role. And then for that first two and a half years, that was my role. And then we got Cody back. And then we added Ryan Banesh. And then we added Steph LeBlanc. And we're adding these Hall of Fame lacrosse players. And so more or less, like I was taking different roles. I was touching the ball a little bit less. I was getting less opportunities, which is fine. And I totally understand that. Uh, so like to say that I'm just like this teammate that didn't want to take a different role, I, I didn't think was fair to me. And additionally, it's ironic that we're, we're playing Albany this weekend because we've also got Andy Towers on the broadcast and he was mm -hmm. my, my coach with the PLL chaos. And anybody that's watched any lacrosse over the last couple of years, you would have seen that with chaos, I didn't play for like five weeks. I wasn't in the lineup. I wasn't dressing. I wasn't traveling. And if you have a conversation with him and maybe he even touches on it on the broadcast, I didn't call him. I didn't complain. I understood my role. I understood where I was on the team. And even in training camp, I played all of training camp on the right hand, right hand side of the field because a lot of our righties were hurt at the time in training camp. And so I was playing a role in training camp that didn't even set me up necessarily to be successful on the left side, even though I was trying to make the team. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing that in training camp, which I think is a great representation of like who I am as a lacrosse player, that I'm just trying to help out wherever I can. I'm trying to fill roles wherever I can. Mm -hmm. And I, I bring it back to Andy Towers because I'm sure he'd probably say that, yeah, like during that process, he didn't complain. He took his role. He was understanding. He was assertive. He, he did his work while he wasn't playing in order to potentially come back in the lineup. And mm -hmm. after like five, five and a half weeks of not playing lacrosse, I get thrown into the lineup in Salt Lake City, have a great game against the Archers, and we win a championship as well. So, like, I just think in the grand scheme of things, for it to literally be, hey, we don't even necessarily want to acknowledge everything that you've done for us in the past, and we don't really care anymore. We want to just let you go. But we're going to put out the narrative that you didn't want to take a different role and maybe you're a little deviant didn't sit well with me but I also wasn't trying to go out and, and make my story known because quite frankly I didn't care I had better things to do I had to worry about what I was going to do with my house and yeah I wanted to play lacrosse <laughs> I had to worry about what I was going to do with my house out here in Halifax where my kids were going to potentially go to daycare down the road and what my wife and I were going to do like there were, there were a thousand things that I had to figure out with just one phone call being made to me that I didn't have time to like sit around and answer everybody's questions about, Hey, what really happened? Why'd this happen? Hey, this is the narrative that's being portrayed about you. What do you have to say about it? I just, I didn't have time for that. And I think that it's all coming full, full circle where I'm just able to go have a breath of fresh air in Philadelphia and really prove what I've always known I can do. I just needed somebody else to believe in, in, in me. And I think that right now we're proving that. And aside from my own success, the greatest things that we're winning right now, we're in a playoff position. We could potentially clinch a three, four wildcard spot. Like it's all up in the air. And that's exactly what I'm excited for come the final stretch of the season here is to be playing for a potential playoff spot and win another championship. Because I've got an MLL championship. I've got a PLL championship. I need to work on this NLL championship as well. No, absolutely. And you're touching on a little bit of stuff that I want to cover later, especially the chaos. Cause you know, Andy Towers, when we interviewed him after the season, he mentioned you and Westberg in insertion in the lineup as a big reason why you guys had success down the stretch late. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but yeah, I, I think when you take a gamble on yourself, I don't think anyone can fault you for that. And it certainly it's been paying off um, both, you know, the wings gamble of bringing you in and your gamble of asking to be released. And so, so far, I think 
uh, good so far. Um, talk about this Albany team that you guys are playing coming up. You know, you played them tight uh, in your career uh, when they were in the Black Wolves as well, when you were on Halifax. Um, what do you see in this game uh, going into a pivotal game in this East Division? I think it's going to be a super exciting game. They're very athletic. They've always been really athletic. I think that's something that they pride themselves on is being able to get up in transition and potentially win that transition matchup in each and every game. Uh, that's also something that I take a lot of pride in is making sure that when I'm on the floor, we're not giving up transition opportunities as well. That's mm-hmm. something that I think I bring to the table. So I think that it's going to be a great matchup that, like you said, they've already matched up well with them in the past. I've matched up well with them previously in the past. I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, ultimately, I mean, I mean, they have Doug Jameson and that and Doug Jameson can, can steal games, but he also doesn't st- just steal games. He plays his normal self and, and wins them games on a frequent basis because he's a mm-hmm. tremendous goalie. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how that d- dynamic comes about and how we kind of match up because I haven't played Albany with with the wings yet. Uh, mm-hmm. But knowing what we've been capable of over the last four games since I've been a part of the team, I'm super excited to kind of get a fresh start uh, with a new organization against the team that they've more or less had my number with in years past. Maybe not personally. I think I've played pretty well against Albany in the Black Wolf in the past. Uh, but with a new organization, it's going to be interesting. I'm excited. No, absolutely. Um, and when you mentioned field a little bit, so let's kind of transition to that. Uh, you played Black I'm oh, sorry. Uh, you mentioned field a little bit, so let's transition to that. Now, you mentioned you won a title with the Chaos. You won one with the Cannons in 2020 as well. Uh, before we get into your recent pro field success, I want to talk about uh, when you first started playing pro, when you first started playing field lacrosse, and eventually how you found yourself playing at the University of Michigan. Talk me a little bit, you know, through uh, first picking up the field game, because you're, you know, predominantly box at first, and then eventually uh, finding your way to Michigan. Yeah, so I was originally only playing field lacrosse, uh, I guess more or less at the time with Team Ontario, which was you'd kind of play field lacrosse once every summer and it'd be glorified box lacrosse playing against other Canadian nations, whether you're playing against BC, Alberta, Manitoba. It was really just kind of like field or box lacrosse on a field. Um, mm-hmm. Now the game is completely different from a Canadian field lacrosse standpoint, uh, but that's how I really got started in it. And then I was originally I'm from Sarnia, Ontario. And so I was driving to London just over an hour to go play field lacrosse. Um, with the London Mustangs youth organization uh, with Mike Frith. And that's somebody that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. He taught me a whole lot in my field lacrosse journey. Um, Otherwise I really would have known nothing Um, to which then I transitioned from playing there. um, just kind of like on a rec level on weekends to going to the Hill Academy and playing at the Hill Academy for two years and then ultimately transitioning to Michigan um, on a lacrosse scholarship. And the irony in the Michigan situation is that, when I was going through the recruiting process, all that I wanted, because I was at the Hill and I was only like three hours away from home, I wanted something that was as far away from home as possible and as small of a school as possible. Because the Hill was small. It was only 200 people at the time when I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted a really small school as far away from home as possible. And like I said, the irony in the situation is that I got a school that was as close to home as possible and one of the largest schools in the nation at Michigan. I mean, you literally go over the bridge in Sarnia that I live five minutes from, you go on one highway, you take one exit onto South State Street, and you're at Michigan. So it's a pretty easy trip. It's not complex. and It was really close to home. But as soon as I went on my first visit there with John Paul, uh, I didn't even really have to see a building or a facility to know that that's exactly where I needed to be. Mind you, when I was at the Hill, it was a really new program at the time, only a couple years um, in its existence. 
And so I really liked the dynamic of like building a lacrosse organization or team from kind of the ground up and seeing where that could take off. And at the time, Michigan had only had one division one lacrosse season. I was a part of the first ever recruiting class. And for me, that was really cool. And I thought it was unique that I was going to be able to go into a university program and literally build the culture of Michigan lacrosse from the literal ground up. And I, mm-hmm. that was something that I really couldn't pass up despite how many losses we had at the first couple of years of our, our existence, how many club players we had in a D1 program, how much mm-hmm. struggle we had. I knew that I wanted to play for four years in college. And I thought there was no better opportunity than to go start Michigan lacrosse from the ground up and potentially obviously earn my playing spot, but play for four years as well in a really competitive at the time ECAC um, conference. But then ultimately now what we have is an incredible big 10 conference. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mm-hmm. And talk about this uh, year's current Michigan season. Uh, you know, they're playing really, really well. Um, it looks like, you know, got, I think they went, what, six or seven and oh to start the season. But uh, what have you been seeing from this uh, current Wolverines team? One of my biggest is a guy like Josh Suwata. I think that it's crazy to see. I, I coached Josh at the Hill Academy. He lived with me for a couple of years at the Hill Academy. Mm-hmm. And so to see him go from that high school across player to where he is now is one of the most prolific goal scorers and assist men in college lacrosse, I think is crazy. And it's awesome to see. Um, he was also somebody that was originally committed to Syracuse. And then he just in different situations decided that wasn't the best situation for him. Having gone to Michigan, had a conversation with him, told him that, yeah, maybe your first couple of years, you might not be able to win a championship, might not be able to win a big 10 championship, but I'm telling you in years three and four, after you kind of get, the culture and everything situated and whatnot and get some great players in there. You could potentially win a big 10 championship and a national championship if all of the pieces fall into place. Um, and that was something he was really excited about uh, as well as now he's gone in there and just, not just from a lacrosse standpoint, but from a social standpoint, a school standpoint, an overall life standpoint, he's beyond happy and excited and thrilled to be there and would never imagine himself anywhere else. And I think that's something that really Michigan, not just lacrosse, but Michigan in general has to offer is that, you know, you go there and yes, like you get to play sports and sports are cool. Sports are awesome. You can play professionally. That's great. There's more to life than sports. And I think all of us understand that. Uh, that's something that I take a huge amount of pride in is understanding that it's not just sports, sports, sports all the time. There's greater things in life. And to be able to go to the University of Michigan, understand that and really excel off of the field, I think is one of the greatest things you could potentially do. You've got great business programs. You've got great educational programs, all of that at the University of Michigan, on top of the fact you have incredible athletics. It, it's a recipe for the most success you could ever imagine in your life. Um, and I'm just excited that not just Josh, but a lot of those guys are jumping into that Michigan lacrosse organization, that program, and ultimately being extremely successful. We weren't successful when I was there. Now yeah. these guys are starting to kind of reap the, the benefits and the rewards of maybe not necessarily what our group had done at the very beginning, but as the years have gone on, um, they've definitely started to take uh, 
steps in the right direction. And coach Connery is the perfect person for that uh, to really help them excel. And ultimately at the end of the day, they've been able to beat Ohio state, which is something I was never able to do. And that's almost mm-hmm. just as good as winning a national championship at the university of Michigan. No, absolutely. You know, the foundation you guys set uh, paved the way for that. Um, and then, you know, after Michigan, Joined the pros. You were a staple of this Boston Cannons team for a while that eventually won the MLL championship in 2020. And then the merger happens. You get picked up in the PLL entry draft by the chaos. Um, Again, talk me through a little bit, you know, first starting off kind of on the practice squad and then eventually getting a a larger role as the season progressed. Um, How do you think you really came into your own and helped this team on their playoff run? I'd say one of the biggest things is really that I've played with a lot of those guys on that team before whether it was playing team Ontario with some of those guys or playing against them in college or even just playing with them professionally or just a guy like Dane Smith I played in Kitchener junior A lacrosse with Dane for four or five years Uh, Mm -hmm. same with Chris Cluche the three of us played together for I want to say three years together Chris and I played four years together Uh, and so I had a pretty good rapport with a lot of guys that were already on the team guy like Ian McKay not just a good lacrosse player not just somebody that's versatile within the lacrosse dynamic, playing long stick midi, defensive midi, offensive midi. In college, he was one of the best scorers in college lacrosse. Like, not just from a lacrosse standpoint, he was in my, he was in my wedding. He was in my wedding party. So, like, I had a good rapport with a lot of these guys that I think added to the dynamic that we had on the field, which outside of it, it's, it's fun, it's laughter, it's exciting to just kind of be around each other. Then when you go play lacrosse, it's the exact same thing. And I think that's what helped make us successful. But at the same token, you've already addressed it. Like I wasn't even the first weekend in Boston, although playing all of training camp, I wasn't in the opening roster. Mind you, that could be because of a thousand things, but I wasn't in the lineup. And was I sitting around pouting and complaining and arguing with the coaching staff? No, like I took that role and then I didn't play. And then week two, I got a chance. And I mean, I progressed and I got to play a little bit more than there was a time where I didn't get to play at all. And I said there was five weeks went by and I didn't get to play. And then all of a sudden I'm playing in Salt Lake city in a playoff game. And I think for me, like the way I look at it and tell people is it's professional sports. Like you're ultimately playing for a job and a position and really at the end of the day, a job. And so you have to perform and you have to do your best to showcase your talent. And for me, like I was going into Salt Lake city, kind of sitting there going, okay, I haven't played in a really long time. We're going into a playoff game. We need to win the game in order to move on. But as well, like I know if I don't produce, then I'm going to be in the same situation that I was last week, which is basically without a job. And so I was fretting with this weird dichotomy of like, do you go out and try to just be really, really good from an individual standpoint? Or do you potentially just go and be a really good teammate? Maybe the chips fall your way and everything works out how they do. But you could also do that, be sort of selfish and lose the game and now your season's done and you don't get to move on and so what a lot of people don't understand is like that's the decision that I was kind of fretting with while traveling to Salt Lake City is like if I don't perform and I don't play well like I'm just going to be in the same situation I was last week without a job and that is what it is so I went out and mind you this goes back to my overall point of like although I could sit there and say go out be selfish try to put up points do what you need to do in order to ultimately earn yourself another roster spot I went in saying I just need to be a good teammate. The chips are going to fall how they are. And it is what it is. And I go out and I have a great game. I wasn't selfish. I just went out, played my normal lacrosse game. I was successful in that facet. But then I also earned myself a roster spot the next week and the next week and the next week, more or less just through being a good teammate. 
And so that's why I find that the irony in all of this situation is that like my lacrosse career has been predicated on really just trying to be a great teammate. And that's really it. And so for the narrative to be spun that I, I necessarily wasn't, that wasn't coming from the players. That wasn't necessarily, whoever it's coming from, that's been my main objective. And I tell, yeah, even, I mean, I'm not trying to go on tangents, but I even tell people all the time. Right now, currently, we play with arguably one of the, if not the greatest lacrosse player of all time in Lyle Thompson. So for me to sit here and say, my goal is to be the greatest player, lacrosse player of all time. I think would be sort of naive for me because I'm not going to overtake Lyle Thompson. Lyle Thompson is in a, a genre of his own. And so for me, and I tell people this all the time, like my objective every single week is literally just to be a good teammate. Like ask people how they're doing, go into locker rooms, not disrupt locker rooms, just go in and be understanding of each other, have a great personality and really let the chips fall how they're going to. Because at the end of the day, I can look at myself, know that I walked into each locker room was the best teammate I could possibly be. And if I get a job the next week after the next week, great. If I don't, well, then I don't know. Maybe I'm just not a good lacrosse player anymore. But that's my main objective is to literally just be a really good teammate. Uh, and so I, I know I'm not trying to go on tangents, but it's like the whole PLL chaos situation that happened. Like I was in a ton of different roles. I had no job. I had a job. I was out of a job again. I was back in the lineup. And then I stayed in the lineup and I got more chances and I got more of a role, especially come the championship weekend where like I, I played a lot. It was the most I played throughout the entire course of the year. So it's crazy how everything works in this world. But right now it, it's sort of all just working out uh, exactly, I guess, how it's supposed to be um, mm-hmm. for not just me, but my, my family as well to ultimately be as happy as we, we possibly can. No, absolutely. And talk a little bit about that championship. And you mentioned too, like I announced you as a midfielder at the start, but really you played midfield attack. Like you've been all over the place. I know in the chaos situation, you guys are more righties and lefties in terms of position groups, but um, yeah, just talk about that championship and beating the whip snakes, you know, after you weren't with the team the year prior, but they had lost to the whip snakes um, in dramatic fashion the year prior. So talk about just helping that team get over the hump. I think, and you, you say get over the hump because I think it is funny. Like a lot of people forget that chaos for the first three years in the PLL's existence were one of the top teams every single year. And so it wasn't like this, just like come of Jesus essence where like the chaos all of a sudden got really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they had been building for a couple of years and it was just kind of this perfect storm where we finally got to match back up with the whip snakes in the finals. They were trying to three peat. They had already won two championships. Nobody else in the league had even won a championship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us, like we really more or less didn't have anything to lose going into that game, uh, which is sometimes better than being the back-to-back champion, ch- trying to free Pete, where you can just go in, play lacrosse, kind of like I am right now, going in with a breath of fresh air, not having too much to worry about going in, you win, great, you lose, you were expected to lose anyway. And so we went in, we just, we had that mentality of like, we know who we are, we're going to work hard, we're interchangeable throughout the entire course of our lineup. So although Maybe the Whip Snakes can potentially scout us if Chris Cuche is playing X, Josh is playing on that, uh, the wing there. Maybe you scout us that way, but then come game time, maybe I'm playing X and Josh is playing on the wing and maybe mm-hmm. Frazier's playing midfield, like in Westberg's playing attack. Like, we're so interchangeable, which I think is what makes us so dynamic because you really can't game plan for what we're going to do because we could throw 15, 16 different lineups at you just from an offensive perspective that totally throw off the dynamic of what your defense could do. And mind you, we're not just field across players playing against field across defenses. We're hybrid, ultimately, really, at the end of the day, hybrid lacrosse players from a box and field across standpoint, 
that are able to kind of maneuver our way and, and just mid game that mm-hmm. I think really helps us ultimately become successful. And the whip snakes are phenomenal across the team. They have been for the last couple of years. I think that this year was just the culmination of the last couple of years, the chaos losing um, multiple times in terrible fortunes and finally being able to kind of get over that hump, like you said, and win a championship. And it was awesome to be a part of It's incredible Mm -hmm. to be a part of a championship team. And on top of it, like I said, not just winning a championship with a lacrosse team, but ultimately a group of guys that are are phenomenal people at the end of the day. And that I cherish spending time with outside of the game of lacrosse. Mm -hmm. Like I said, lacrosse is great, but I really like to focus on what's great outside of the game of lacrosse. And Mm -hmm. even like a guy like Ian McKay, Mm -hmm. When we show up to places on the weekends, it's, hey, where can we find a good local coffee spot? Go have a, sit down, have a coffee, chat about life, right? And mm-hmm. just kind of get away from the game a little bit before you have to really integrate yourself within that Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday grind of trying to ultimately pull out a win to move on to the next week. No, that's awesome. And, you know, in addition to playing in the NLL and the PLL, you also represent the Iroquois Nationals uh, international play. Talk about being able to represent your nation kind of um, in international competitions. And you mentioned, you know, Lyle Thompson, you get to play with him and a bunch of your fellow native uh, players. So just talk about that experience, putting on that Jersey. It's really cool. I I think, but in addition to it being really cool, it's also very interesting because, and I I always use this term when I say it's like, I'm a blonde haired, blue eyed native American playing on the Iroquois nationals. I don't necessarily fit in or fit the mold. I shouldn't say, fit in because I, ultimately I do fit in, but like fit that mold of what an Iroquois person should look like. Um, mm-hmm. And so with not a, a lot of us kind of looking that part, it puts me into almost a different area on the team where like not really trying to find my way personality wise, because mm-hmm. everybody on that team's awesome. They're, they're super involved with each other and it's a great family at the end of the day. Uh, but really just trying to kind of explain to people that, and I've had a lot of people reach out to me that are like, hey, I've been, it's been really awkward. I'm a part of the Iroquois Nationals at the youth level, um, the Haudenosaunee, and like, I just don't necessarily fit in because I don't look the part. And I think that that's a, been a good part, position for me to be in where like I can have those conversations with kids mm-hmm. that don't necessarily fit the mold of like what you're expected to look like if you are a part of this team and this organization. Mm -hmm. Uh, but overall from a lacrosse standpoint, it's incredible. You get to play with some of the greatest lacrosse players of all time. And especially like a guy like Randy stats, I know we talked about a while, but Mm -hmm. a guy like Randy stats, being able to go and play on the opposite side of lacrosse for as him, but ultimately pass him the ball, get to see some pretty cool and unique things as well. Uh, but it's, it's kind of, it's really different than your regular lacrosse because guys go in understanding that it's a game and we're not necessarily playing for the specific wins and losses. Like, yes, those Mm -hmm. come and yes, those happen, but it's ultimately going out and having fun. Like at the end of the day, did you have fun playing this sport of lacrosse? When you go in, you put on pads, you try to ultimately win. Like, did you have fun? Was it enjoyable? Did you enjoy yourself? Were you angry while you were were out there? And so it's like this different mentality when you go play the Iroquois nationals that yes, we're trying to win games. We're trying to ultimately win championships every time that we're a part of the group. Mm -hmm. But like, the bigger picture is like, are you having fun while you're playing this sport mm-hmm. that we get to show up and play, which is cool and it's unique as well. Yeah, no, I, I think it's great too, how like we can see, you know, international competitions, 
um, just a variety of different lineups and rosters. You mentioned you get to play with Lyle and Randy. And um, I think that's also just a, a great aspect about, you know, international playing the sport um, as well. Almost getting some super teams, you could say, <laughs> from these lineups. Uh, moving on, we're going to go to our five and five, which are just quick questions, five off the field questions, five on the field questions, uh, some quick hitters. So I'll start with the on the field. And what are some pregame routines that you have? That is a good one. And uh, although this isn't a really good answer, like I don't necessarily have pregame routines because lacrosse is so crazy that like if you have a pregame routine and something throws it off like a bad travel day, mm-hmm. you could potentially be thrown off for the whole rest of your game. So I try mm-hmm. to have like as limited of a pregame routine as I can so that bad travel day, missed flight, lost bag, like all that stuff doesn't matter. I can just still show up at the rank and play. So I know it's not a great answer, but I try to literally not have many pregame routines. No, I, we've heard some people say similar stuff. So no, that's definitely uh, makes sense in that regard. Cause then we've had the flip side of it and they're like, if my routine's thrown off, you know, it messed, used to mess me up. So now I, they, they kind of moved towards that. Even if they used to have a lot of superstitions routines, they've moved away from that a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, number two, what has been your favorite venue to play lacrosse at? And that can be field or box. The championship with the, the chaos versus the lip snakes was an awesome venue in DC. Like that was really cool. Um, like, I mean, it's sort of cliche at this point, but like Philadelphia is amazing to play in. Like we had awesome crowd for our last home game. That was the only home game that I got to be a part of. Uh, but that was also crazy. And being able to play in Wells Fargo, it's not really just about the actual game itself. It's more like the history that's within that arena and the teams they get to play there, the Sixers, the Flyers, like all that stuff is really cool to me. So Philadelphia, although cliche, like it, it really is an f- unbelievable place to play. And it was a huge reason why I chose Philadelphia at the end of the day as well. Like mm-hmm. the fan base, the amount of support that that organization has, how the organizations run from top to bottom. Philadelphia is a great place to play. No, awesome. And then what is your current stick set up in terms of head shaft and stringing? And does it vary a little bit between uh, playing field and boxers kind of stay the same? No, that's a good question. I actually have my stick right here, right on the counter. Um, I have a warrior, like it's warrior next crypto light. It comes on the warps, but like the base model warps. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's not the greatest shaft in the world. I have some of the new warrior um, shafts as well. And like, they're awesome, but I don't love the shafts that, that Ben per se, or like the new carbon shafts. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a little bit of Ben in the middle of the shaft as well, just naturally so that uh, the carbon shafts obviously don't do that. Like if you're going to bend the shaft, it's probably going to break this uh-huh. not as much. Um, and then as well, I've got the new more or less model of the warrior um, Evo setup with the new like plastic. So it's a little clear there, mm-hmm, yep. uh, which is really cool. I really like it. I haven't used it in the game. This will be the first weekend that I'm using this one per se. Um, and then I've got like a really small pocket. I think as the years have gone on, my pocket has become more and more shallow but right now it's uh, you could, pr- if you were to like hold up the ball in the stick, like the ball's halfway over yeah. the sidewall, which in the same token, I think is maybe is a little unique in the sense that like, I try to be more of a ball carrier when I'm out on the floor. So like to have a shallow pocket doesn't necessarily exactly make the most sense all the time when you're trying to keep the ball in your stick. But I think that as well with the shallower pocket, it's taught me how to, be more in control of my stick and what I'm doing with my stick as well as obviously has a faster release. But when I try to be a ball carrier and have a more shallow pocket, it allows me to really just be in more control of my overall stick and what I'm doing with the stick. So it used to be a lot deeper. Um, Even this past summer, it was a lot deeper, 
but right now it's pretty, pretty shallow. Awesome. No, I, I like you going through too, kind of like how it's changed a little bit. Um, yeah. And it's, it's interesting too, kind of what we see, you know, obviously you see in the NLL a little bit more shallow pockets than in outdoor, especially, you know, in outdoor when people are ball carriers and want to protect that stick or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's definitely interesting just seeing how people different string their sticks differently in lacrosse. I think that's something that makes this sport unique is the equipment is so unique to the individual. Oh, absolutely. And I think I, I guess the, one of the biggest things with me is that I, I mean, I use the same pocket and field lacrosse and box lacrosse, mm-hmm. but I don't really have a high pocket in box lacrosse per se. Like you can literally see here, like it's a very low, shallow pocket. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I like Brody Merrill gives me the hardest time when I, when I was living with him, when I was working there for the pockets that I use, because he calls them field lacrosse pockets. Cause they're so low. Like it does uh-huh. not, my pocket is by no means up near the shooters. Like sure. It transitions a little bit, but my pocket is like at the very bottom of my stick for yeah. the most part. I try to get it as low to the neck and the throat of the stick as possible and then get it to like maybe transition to the middle of my stick. And that's about it. But like yeah. you can see, like it's pretty tight up top. Uh, but once you get to the middle of the stick, it's pretty loose. And at the bottom, like it's shallow, but it's a very low pocket. And I get yeah. a lot of grief for it. No, <laughs> very, very, uh, very interesting to, to hear about. Yeah, for sure. Um, my next question is who has been the toughest player to kind of face during your career? And that can again be field or box, but it's kind of been your toughest matchup. I think the best answer for that would be probably Corbeil and Rubish on mm. the rush. Like they, it just seems to be that it doesn't matter how young they are, how mature they are in the league. They always seem to just get a stick on everything, whether that's a stick in your hands to disrupt your pass or your shot, uh, or just pick off a pass and run the other way and score and transition. Like, those two every single game are always in your hands disrupting something and they're without a doubt cumulatively the hardest people to play against i'm sure they're great to play with but play against they're no fun (laughs) no that's a great answer uh and then my final one for lacrosse is if they made an nll video game who would you say deserves to be on the cover lyle Mm -hmm. i don't I don't think you could possibly put anybody else on. I think if you put anybody else on, there'd be a lot of backlash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you put Lyle on the cover, everyone would be like, well, yeah, obviously. Like, no brainer. Makes sense. Yeah, no, makes sense. That's a very common answer, of course. <laughs> uh, moving on to the off the field, who's a player in another sport that you enjoy watching right now? Evan Booker, I think, is really uh, is very interesting because he's kind of got, I mean, as a mentor that Kobe was to him, like he kind of has that mentality of, show up and despite whatever you are like off the floor as soon as you get on the floor you're kind of a killer mm-hmm. i think that's really cool to have i mean i even saw it this past weekend in san diego against a guy like brody like i lived with brody i have an amazing relationship with brody i didn't choose to go to san diego and so before the opening whistle like i saw him the day before with my with my girls he was happy go lucky saying asking how it was and then i get on the floor and he's cross-checking me before the game even starts and so it's mm-hmm. like Having that man, that mentality of like, yes, it's all fun and games outside of the game, but once you put on the pads and you, it's game time and you can flip that switch, I think that that's something that a lot of players kind of lack, but the great players have. And that's something that I kind of look at with them bookers. He's got that killer mentality that when he shows up on the floor, like he's there to win a game, he's there to win a championship and that's it. Yeah, no, that killer instinct is definitely something that sets some of the greats apart for sure. What are some hobbies or activities you enjoy doing when you're not on the floor? I love golfing. Actually, I wore this hat specifically because 
when we were in San Diego, we had a team uh, like little golf match mm-hmm. um, this Saturday after our Friday game. And I, I, we had a foursome. Our team may or may not have won. We won hats at the end of the day. I haven't been on the team very long, but I'm trying to represent our team, the foursome that we did have in that golf tournament. So I love golf. I don't get out a whole lot, but I love to golf. Um, and really just like spend time with my family. Like that is priority number one and always is prior, priority number one. I even told the guys um, this past weekend, like any chance that I get to spend a second with my, my wife or my daughters, like that is where you'll find me. Like they, sure, they might be lingering around and whatnot, but like if I have a free second, it is with my girls, especially right now, Tatum, she's a little bit older. She's a year and a half. Mm-hmm. She's a little bit more mobile than our, our youngest, youngest Keegan. She's only two months. Uh, so if I can run around with Tatum and like just have a blast with her and get my mind away from everything else, like that is where you will see me uh, enjoying the majority of my time. You asked me that two years ago, I probably had a lot of different answers, but right now, family, family, family. Yeah, no, that's awesome for sure. Um, I do have a question with the golf. Who was in your foursome? Who was the winning foursome? It was me, Corey Vitarelli, uh, Eric Schul, and uh, Alex Pace. So we were pretty, we were pretty good. Uh, obviously good enough to win. <laughs> I don't want to say that like there were some outside factors about like the night before and guys being excited about winning that may have played into it. I'm not a heavy <laughs> drinker. Uh, so I may have been pretty fresh when it came to the actual golf event, but that's all I'll leave that at. No, that's awesome for sure. Um, and then moving on to number three, and this probably ties into the family aspect. Um, what is your favorite spot to vacation with your family? Good question. Or it could be kind of, you know, what you like doing too. It doesn't have to necessarily be like a destination, but it can also be like, what do you guys enjoy doing? Yeah. I vacation. Like we haven't been able to take many vacations. Uh, San Diego is uh, one of our first vacations as a family. Um, Cause we had a little bit of time off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess technically San Diego or California would be my, my travel destination. Number one. Um, but what we like to do as a family outside um I don't know we've got the new house so like there's always something going on at our, at our new spot mm-hmm. nicks and crannies to kind of figure out mm-hmm. um, we spend a lot of time here because we just got built the house mm-hmm. so we spend a lot of time here but also going to like we've got some really cool spots in Halifax that are, there's this one place called press play cafe uh, where it's like a coffee shop but also more caters to elderly crowds where like you can go grab a board game sit have a coffee play a board game but also in the corner as well like there's a big play play set in the indoor playground kind of thing with toys and whatnot for the kids to go play on so like while you're hanging out having a coffee play board games you can also have your kids playing around and whatnot so we like to try out different spots in Halifax we eat out a lot my, my wife and her family are pretty big foodies uh, so we love to eat out try different things uh, but anything to just kind of be out enjoying time with our family despite whether it takes a really long time to actually get out the door now with two kids or really short time trying to do as much as we can outside or at different spots in Halifax exploring the city as much as we can especially now that we're, we're going to be leaving trying to spend as much time as we can outside yeah no that's awesome and you kind of lead into my fourth is uh what's your favorite meal you prefer it sounds like you prefer to dine out but you prefer to dine out cook at home and kind of what's that that favorite staple food that you like to eat we're huge into HelloFresh. Mind you, like this is a, just a hack for anybody in life. Like HelloFresh is one of the greatest things you can do. It literally gets, you pick your meals, gets delivered to your doorstep, and then has all your meals, kind of not prepped for you, but it comes, I mean, and I don't know if you know anything about it or 
somebody listening, like they show up, they have all the ingredients that you need for the meals that you picked, but there's no leftovers. And I find that that's one of the biggest things for me is like, if I go to the grocery store and like, let's just hypothetically say, I want tacos one night, like, and I go to the grocery store, I'm going to buy the ingredients for tacos. But then after I make the tacos, I probably have three or four ingredients that just sit in my fridge and go bad, which Mm -hmm. drives me absolutely nuts. And I hate clutter. So HelloFresh, like you just have all the meals there. You have the exact amount of ingredients that you need. And when you're done cooking the meal, you throw away everything else. You have no leftovers at the end of the day. So HelloFresh, when we're eating in and we do that every single week is staple number one, staple number two. And I actually had it today, fried chicken sandwiches, (laughs) especially out here. Like any fried chicken sandwich, if it's on the menu, I'm ordering it. I'm trying it, whether it's good, bad, ugly, whatever the case, fried chicken sandwiches. I had one today. It was literally the greatest fried chicken sandwich I've ever had. Um, and so that's like more or less my kryptonite right now. Fried chicken sandwiches and HelloFresh. Uh, so you're a fried chicken sandwich uh, connoisseur, I guess. So what, where was the place that you went uh, today? It was called Bliss Caffeine. Dana, was it Bliss Caffeine? Yeah, actually, there's a coffee cup right here. Bliss Caffeine Bar. Bliss Caffeine Bar. Yeah. It's, it's new. And uh, it's amazing. Like the coffee's unbelievable. I really, I'm a... I love coffee, anything to do with coffee, especially like making my own espresso, stuff like that. Um, I try to do that as much as I can. So like the fact that it's, and that I don't drink a lot. I don't like I'll occasionally dabble in a glass of wine. I love red wine, but like mm-hmm. coffee is my go-to. So like if you can find a good coffee spot that also has good pastries or even like a little bit of a lunch menu, that's where you'll find me 99% of the time. Love it, love it. And then my final question uh, for the five and five is what's a book, TV show, podcast or even a movie that you've watched recently that you'd recommend any jay shetty book is a unbelievable book to read um just like long story short he's a guy that uh like grew up in europe went and kind of did the monk life for a little bit Mm -hmm. and just took a whole new perspective on life uh, with what it really means to just kind of like take a deep breath cherish things for what they are and like not think too much about a whole lot of things and really embrace having a little versus a lot, but making sure that that little that's in your life is, is something to, to cherish. Um, and his perspective on life, having gone through all of that is really cool. And I think that a lot of people just kind of read like the athlete books and like how to be better business mind and all that. And like, I like those books or not, but right now any book that has to do with Jay Shetty's like in his podcast on purpose, is, mm-hmm. both of those two are really cool to kind of divulge into and listen to because it gives a totally different perspective on just life and reality aside from what it's like to be a professional athlete and I think if you can find a way to mix those two together like the athlete side of things the business model but also have a pretty good head on your shoulders in terms of like what breath work and what the mental aspect of things is really like I think those two can coincide pretty pretty cohesively and I really like that side of kind of the mental aspect of things right now as well. No, absolutely. I, I haven't listened to his podcast, but I listened to, a, he was uh, the guest on a podcast. I forget which one it was, but uh, yeah, definitely interesting story. I love hearing his story and kind of how he came to where he's at now. Um, my final question for you beyond the five and five is what's some advice that you have for a young player looking to one day play lacrosse professionally? It's very cliche, like just work really hard, like take criticism, work really hard. Uh, but also understand that like, and I tell everybody this, like you need to have a life outside of whatever sport you're doing and whatever that may be. And like, for me, it's obviously family, 
but you need to understand that there's greater things in life than just sports themselves. Um, even like when I went through college and whatnot, like I was so hyper-focused on making sure that I did every single thing every single day to potentially play professional lacrosse. And I got that and I did that, but mind you, like along the way, I definitely missed out on a lot of things that I could have been doing, or I could have taken the night off to go and go to a bar and go have fun with friends. And I didn't always necessarily choose that route because I wanted to play professional lacrosse, but I think like being able to find a happy medium and like, maybe that's not the answer that everyone necessarily should give, but like being able to find something outside of the game that makes you truly happy, I think goes a long way because if you're just so hyper-focused on playing professional lacrosse, making it and doing the professional lacrosse route, or even just like college lacrosse, it's great, but you need to have that kind of mental clarity and headspace outside of the game so that when the two hours are done after your game and you take off your gear and you digress a little bit and you're done. Like, where's your mental space and what are you doing after that? Because for me, especially with what's gone on on over the last like two and a half, three weeks here, like being able to understand that it's just the, it's just a sport and Mm -hmm. it's great. We get to play it. It's amazing. I cherish every single second that I get to go play professional lacrosse. I can never take that for granted. But for me, like I do everything during the course of the week, making sure that it's going to the gym, finding time to go to the gym. For me, that gym switched from like going midday to going at four, three, five in the morning before my kids got up so I could come home and spend the whole morning with my kids before I had to take my daughter to daycare or like do my fatherly duties when I got home so that everything was done beforehand. So like being able to find that happy medium, understanding it's just a sport. It's great we get to play it potentially even professionally. Like that's amazing. But finding things outside of sports that just truly make you happy. Like you need mm-hmm. to be happy in order to be able to play professional sports as well. Cause if you're not happy, that's going to filter into what you're doing professionally. You're not going to have a good game. You're going to be in a bad mental space. You're going to have an off game. And then if you have an off game, then everything else, because everything's so hyper-focused on just lacrosse, everything else falters by the wayside then you're not happy outside you're not making friends you're not going out enjoying yourself you're not going having good meals with good people like you need to have that stuff outside of sports that truly make you happy for me it's my girls it's it's my family like anytime no matter how good of a game i have no matter how bad of a game i have my my daughters just quite frankly and it's the best thing they don't care they don't Mm -hmm. understand what's happening so for me it's like great game sure go see my girls they don't care get to hang out with my girls bad game sure I might feel bad about it my team might have lost like all of that I understand it I go see my girls like they don't they don't care they don't understand they just they just want to see their dad so finding things outside of sports that truly make you happy but understanding you still have to do the hard work you still have to be able to take positive criticism negative criticism all of that and really move forward with it but to play professionally work really hard now you don't have to be in the hotbed of the lacrosse realm in order to get looked at, to get scouted, mm-hmm. gone are those days. You could be from any walks of life, anywhere in the world. If you work hard, you're a good person, you're a good teammate, you try really hard, you take positive criticism, you take negative criticism, you work really hard when you develop those things, everything will fall into place for you. Maybe not right off the bat, maybe five years, 10 years, 12 years down the road, but it'll all work out for you in the end additionally when you have that great support system something that you love to do outside of sports it'll make showing up to play that game that you have midweek on the weekend a lot more enjoyable 
because you've got great headspace outside of the game. So it's a very long-winded answer to a very simple question, but you've got to find happiness in, in all facets of life, not just sports, sports, sports. No, I think that's great. You know, kind of find that, you know, we say work-life balance, it's lacrosse-life balance as well. So I think that's uh, definitely some good advice for especially our young listeners. But uh, we really appreciate you hopping on, Kyle. Best of luck to you in the wings this season and the chaos as well this summer. Um, again, thank you for the time. Awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.